Welcome to the Careers, Employability and Skills podcast from Queen's University Belfast. This episode was recorded during the Virtual Go Global Week, featuring students who have went on an Erasmus study program, Susan Murray, Rose Winter and Kirsty King, and is hosted by Conlove Burns from the Queen's Careers, Employability and Skills Department. In, in today's session, we'll, um, we'll, I'll give an introduction um, to myself and to the Global Opportunities Team. My name is Conliff and I'm one of the Global Opportunities Officers within the Global Opportunities Team. Um, we'll give an overview of the opportunities that are available to, for you to study and work in Europe. Um, and we see this session as a good starting point for your research. So, you know, we're going to give an overview of these programmes. So then we would ask you to be proactive and kind of do your research after that. We're lucky enough to be joined by three students today, Suzanne, Rose and Kirsty, who um, went out on Erasmus study. Um, so it's going to be brilliant to hear from their experience. Um, they, um, they kindly offered to come along and talk, so we're really appreciative of that. And you'll get to hear kind of some real life insights into what into the Erasmus study programme. So before we get into kind of the session, um, uh, it does seem strange to be um, talking to you about um, global opportunities, um, considering that most of us, if not all of us, um, are dealing in lockdown with lockdown in some way. Um, so I suppose, however, the, the, the opportunities that we're highlighting today are for summer 2021 and beyond. So um, although the, the thought of international travel may seem distant at the minute, um, hopefully in the new year, um, the restrictions may change um, and therefore a degree of normality may return. Um, so, in terms of the, the team itself, um, uh, our aim within the Global Opportunities Team is to promote and support students um, with um, international study and work programmes. We, we're a team of six based in the Student Guidance Centre, um, and you'll get to hear from my colleague Rory later on, um, who'll be discussing some of the programmes. Um, we engage with students on a daily basis through email, through video calls, um, we have a drop-in session. Um, a virtual drop-in session, which you can book via via my future. Um, my colleague Rachel has just popped up the link there to get into it for the student um, uh, side of my future. Um, and we also run a range of information sessions throughout the year. Um, I know after Go Global Week, we have about 12 of those planned between now and the end of the year. Um, and you can see those um, on the events section in my future, and you can register for those as well. Um, so, I suppose today is about giving you an insight into the opportunities to work and study in Europe. Um, and we'd also encourage um, to yourselves to review our website. You can see the link there on the slide. Um, it gives more details about each of the programmes, but um, it's a useful, useful source of information also. So, in terms of the programmes, we're going to get started. The first one we're going to, um, well, sorry, I'll give you just an overview of the programmes that we're going to do. We're going to look at Erasmus study and Erasmus work. Then we're going to look at the IASTI program. Um, we're going to then hear from um, the three students who was out on, on Erasmus study programs. Um, and then um, my colleague Rory will look at the European Movement Ireland and the Student Language Bureau as two other programs that can help you um, work in Europe. So in terms of Erasmus study, um, well, this, this program is, is it's a massive program. It's been running since 1987. Um, and about 3 million students have went out in Erasmus study and work exchanges. So it allows, allows students to go out um, on an exchange for either one semester um, or one academic year to a European institution. Now that placement um, has to have a minimum of three months 
um, and the funding can run up to a maximum of 12 months. Um, it's open to most year groups and um, the majority of, of year groups. Um, there are some disciplines that are restricted, um, but uh, you'll be able to see which those they are on our website. Um, Queen's is approximately 200 links with institutions right across Europe. Um, and the amount of links that your school has will depend, uh, well, sorry, the amount of links there are will depend on your school. Um, you can see all the links um, on our website, which is just www.qub.ac.uk forward slash Erasmus. And there's a document um, on there that gives um, breaks down all the schools in Queen's, and all the links that they have with um, European institutions, and also who the Erasmus programme coordinator is um, within your school, um, sorry, programme director. And um, each school has an Erasmus programme director who um, who's the link um, between ourselves and also the European institutions. Um, so it'll give you that kind of point of contact also. Um, um, the programme itself is it's open to any nationality um, to, to apply. Um, in terms of funding, there's uh, an Erasmus grant available for students who go out um, on these placements, on um, the study placements. And it will either be €370 Euros per month or €420 Euros per month, depending on the country that you go to. Um, I suppose countries with a high cost of living, um, and we're thinking more the likes of maybe Norway, Sweden, etc. Um, the students going out to on a, on a study placement to those countries would receive four hundred and twenty euros per month of an Erasmus grant, and then the countries with a lower cost of living, the likes of France and Spain, etc. Um, students would um, receive three hundred and seventy euros per month um, for going to those um, those countries. Um, so in terms of then your tuition fees, if you did undertake an Erasmus placement, um, students who would normally qualify for um, UK student support um, loans um, and spend a full year on an Erasmus placement wouldn't pay any tuition fees to Queen's for that entire year. Um, now unfortunately, this doesn't apply to international students. It would only apply to NIGB or EU students. Any students who go out for part of the year or one semester um, on an Erasmus study placement would just pay the normal tuition fees to Queen's um, as if they were as if they were here. Um, uh, again, that um, the the full year fee waiver only applies to international students. Now, in terms of Erasmus and Brexit, um, I suppose the participation of um, the participation on the Erasmus program is still to be decided. Um, at the minute, the UK is still part of the Erasmus program during this academic year. Um, we hope that um, the UK will continue to participate on the Erasmus programme um, next year and beyond. And if not, we expect there to be an alternative mobility programme, um, which will still give students the opportunity to, to study um, or potentially work abroad um, in, in Europe. I see Jamie has just posted a question now, which is quite a good question. Um, do you have to go to a Queen's um, partner uni? Yes, yeah, yeah, it has to have a link with um, Queen's through the Erasmus programme for you to go out on Erasmus study placement. Um, and Jamie, you can see the, the full list on our Erasmus website. So in terms of the application process for, um, for the study programme, we usually um, open those up um, uh, towards, the, towards the end of the year. Um, and ask um, students to submit a, a, an application form towards the end of the year. What I'll be doing is I'll 
be doing sessions with schools um, right about December, January time um, uh, to kind of talk about the programme, to look at the links that um, you can undertake. Um, and, uh, and then we'll close the applications around about March. And we close them in March because a lot of institutions have deadlines in March for, for, um, for going out. Um, so, like I said, if um, if they if you're looking for more information, um, you can go on to our Erasmus website. Um, it's just there at the bottom of the page. Um, and I suppose there that, that's a good question, Sebastian. Um, I see it coming up in the chat there about will the grant still be in a no deal scenario? Um, I suppose we're still waiting to hear more information um, about um, whether the UK will still be part of the Erasmus program. If it isn't part of the Erasmus program we'll have to have that discussion about what funding will be available um, after that. Um, so at the minute, Sebastian, we, we really we don't know what funding would be available if the UK wasn't part of the Erasmus programme. Okay, I'm gonna continue on, folks, to the next um, play, the next programme, which is Erasmus Work Placement. Um, and I suppose in order to qualify for Erasmus funding for your work placement, um, there, there's a few criteria. Um, one would be that um, it must be your placement must be for a minimum of two months, um, and it must be a recognised part of your degree. Um, so you're, you're, you would have to have a placement, uh, work placement as part of your degree, um, and then the placement itself um, must be for you know must be over fifty miles from your home address or where you grew up. Um, now the funding available again, like the Erasmus Study Programme, is to a maximum of twelve months. Um, for their work placements. Again, funding is available to students from, from any nationality. Um, and as per the Erasmus study um, programme, there is an Erasmus grant available um, for students who go out in the work placement. Um, for students going to countries, um, again, it's separated into two um, groups. For students going to countries with a low cost of living, um, they would receive 470 euros per month. And for students going to a high cost a country with a high cost of living, it would be 520 euros per month. Those are the 2020-21 rates. Um, and if the UK is part of the Erasmus programme going forward, we wouldn't expect that to change too much for potentially Erasmus placements in 21-22. Again, similar to the Erasmus study placement, um, any students who um, who would qualify for um, UK student support and it would pay NIGB or EU fees and spend a full year out on an Erasmus placement, wouldn't pay any tuition fees to Queen's. Um, again, that doesn't apply to international students. And then likewise, any students who spend part of the year on Erasmus work placement um, would pay, still pay the normal tuition fees to Queen's that they would for that, for that year. Any applications are made um, via your school placement coordinator. Um, so I would advise if you're if you have to do an Eras or if you have to do a placement um, to somewhere in Europe, um, and you're thinking that this could um, this could uh, register for um, Erasmus funding, then you go to and speak to your Erasmus placement coordinator. As I mentioned, the funding for 21-22 has still to be confirmed um, due to Brexit. Um, but we hope to have some information on that um, on that soon. Um, in terms of when the applications close, it's different for um, Erasmus work placements. We would ask that we get applications at least eight weeks prior to the placement starting. Um, so um, ideally, that would be the, the kind of the cutoff um, for ourselves. But I suppose because these um, applications would come via your school placement coordinator, 
it'll be worth talking to them once you've kind of got your placement um, organised. And again, you can find more information on the on the Erasmus website. Now, the um, the in terms of the next program is um, IASTE. Um, so this program is administered by the the British Council, and it's a fantastic opportunity to undertake a paid international placement um, for between six weeks to, to twelve months. Usually, um, these are aimed at kind of students undertaking STEM subjects. Um, but we would always suggest to students, if you're interested in undertaking an Erasmus or sorry, uh, an IASTE program, to definitely have a chat with with the um, with the British Council. And in particular, there's a lady called Mary Mallon who um, looks after the IASTE program. Um, and you know, we can we can provide the, the link is at the bottom of the, the screen there. Um, so you'll be able to get a contact details for her. So uh, we would advise just having a chat to um, with Mary if you're you would be eligible. I know that they're running an information session on the 27th of October, um, and one of our colleagues um, will be, or sorry, one of my colleagues has already thrown up the link there that you can register for that information session. In terms of the, the actual placements themselves, they would be in a range of different companies or maybe even in universities or, or government bodies. And the support available from IASTE is fantastic. They'll help you with choosing uh, an employer, applying for visas, finding accommodation, and settling into your country. Um, and those are really important things, obviously, when you when you want to get um, your placement sorted. Um, not only is there placements in Europe, but they have IASTE placements all around the world. We've had students go to the US, to Canada, Japan, um, and even um, to Africa and South America. So there's placements all over the world. So costs obviously are going to be a big thing, a big thing to question for students. So the costs um, to undertake an IASTE placement, there's a £200 fee for IASTE placements. But then the costs after that would be the likes of flights and travel um, would be included. You'd have to call, um, pay for your visa and for vaccinations um, and obviously spending money as well. But obviously this, these are paid international placements, so you would get a salary when you're, when you're working. Um, there, in the past, we have had a, a careers um, international travel scholarship available for students who are going out on IASTE placements. We would hope to have um, those scholarships available um, for any future um, placements going out, but it's still to be decided within within our team. Um, so we would, would hope to have those available. The applications for IASTE and the kind of the open and close on a rolling basis, um, but. What I would suggest your first point of contact would be um, coming along to that information session on the 27th of October um, and registering and, and getting the chat to Mary and her team um, about the placements that are available. Or go on to the, the British Council website um, and you can see that link just at the bottom of the screen. So um, we're now going to go on to, um, to hear from our students who have been out on the um, on the Erasmus study programme. So I'm going to ask Suzanne, Rose and Kirsty um, to turn on their cameras and their mics, if they wouldn't mind. Um, and we'll just have a, a quick chat about how they got on. Now, um, the three students um, were out on Erasmus study programmes last academic year. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just ask, um, maybe we'll start off with um, Kirsty, if you wouldn't mind, just a very, very quick um, overview of um, you know yourself and where you went. Um, 30 seconds, Kirsty, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, so uh, hi guys, I'm Kirsty and I'm currently third year English student. And last year I went to KU Leuven in Belgium for an Erasmus study placement for the full year. 
Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Kirsty. Uh, Rose, if you wouldn't mind. Hi, I'm Rose and I went away to Slovenia for a full year of Erasmus placement and I am also a third year English student. Now, come back. Brilliant, thank, thank you very much Rose. And Suzanne, um, if you wouldn't see him. Hi, uh, I'm Suzanne. I am third year international politics and conflict studies and I studied for one semester and second semester in Lyon in France. Okay, um, I'm just, I suppose the, the first question I would have is why did you choose to, to undertake um, the Erasmus placement? And uh, do you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Rose um, first because you're, you're doing language and linguistics, Rose, um, I believe. So was, was it part of your programme that you had to undertake um, this placement or was it something that you wanted just, you felt that you wanted to do? Um, I actually only study English literature. Okay. Um, but I actually didn't have to go on placement. I didn't have any intentions of going on Erasmus until I started coming to, you know, these information sessions and I found out about what Erasmus would entail from the Go Global team. And then I just applied and ended up going um, because it just seemed like a really good thing to do. So I didn't sort of, you know, I didn't, it wasn't part of my degree. I didn't come to university thinking I would, um, but I did end up going and, yeah, it was it wasn't compulsory basically. Okay, brilliant. And was there any particular reason you chose Slovenia? Yeah, so for me it came down to um the fact that it was like a really small country, so I'd be able to see as much of the country as possible. Um and also the fact that it was quite close to Italy. It's it's got a lot of like inter international sort of influences on it, so there was a lot of things that I could sort of get involved in there with other countries too. Um, and for travel as well and also I'd never been and I knew almost nothing about it and it looked amazing when I was looking it up so that's basically why. Yeah brilliant, no better, no better reasons for it. Um, I suppose Kirsty, the same, same kind of question to yourself, why um, did you um, want to you know undertake an Erasmus study placement? Yes yeah, so um, I'd always sort of known about Erasmus, um, I'd always been aware that it was a thing like I wasn't sure if I would do it at a university but I think like Rose once I sort of went to a few information sessions and um, like other um, like meetings and things I realized there was like something I'd really like to do um, and I think I just thought it'd be really interesting just to live in a different country like meet people from all over the world um, and just like have a really sort of new experience as part of my degree really. Yeah brilliant. Um, and Suzanne, finally, the same same question yourself. Um, I knew for even before I came to uni that Erasmus was something that I really wanted to do, um, and it probably wasn't until the beginning of uh, second year that I really started thinking about uh, France because um, I want to improve. I wanted to improve my French language skills, which I got to do whilst I was there, because um, I think it'll be very useful for uh, future jobs that I'm thinking of going into. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, folks, you know, you, you, you decided you wanted to go to a certain country and you, you maybe heard from myself or maybe somebody in your school talking about it um, and then you went out. How did you, how was your first impressions of, get, you know, going to, um, and I'll start with yourself, Suzanne, um, going to France and when you arrived there, you know, how, how did you feel or what was your first impressions? Um, it was quite nerve-wracking at first because, um, I I never been like to France by myself. Um, my language skills wasn't the best, but I still managed to like get.
get myself a taxi and everything. But it was it was really, really nice going there. And there was quite a bit of support from the incoming uni as well. Um, cool. And I had another international student in the same accommodation as me, which is really lovely. Um, so I got she's like one of my quite good friends now. Um, but yeah, no, it was a really good experience. It was very welcoming. And I suppose, um, Rose, um, same to yourself, you know, when, when you um, got over to Slovenia and, um, you know, I suppose a lot of us would kind of maybe have an idea of maybe a little bit of French or, you know, um, you know, over in Slovenia, how did, when you first arrived at the airport and, you know, got to your accommodation, what was your first initial thoughts? Well, I actually had quite an unusual experience in the sense that I actually also live abroad. I don't live in the UK. Okay. So I was going from abroad to abroad. So it was a lot easier for me, I would say, in the sense that I don't, I, I'm not fluent in the language of the country I speak, um, of the language where I live anyway. So when I got to Slovenia and I don't speak a word of Slovenian, and it's really different because it's a Slavic language, I, I did struggle um, a bit to start with. But, um, you know, there are university language courses and I was living with two other international students in a private flat. So when I first got there, it was actually really easy in the sense that, you know, this other girl who lived in Italy, another girl who lived in Belgium, and we all were just figuring it out together as we went along. And the university was really helpful, like Suzanne said. So it really, you know, the language barrier wasn't an issue um, because people do make an effort and they are friendly with you. You know, even when you just go to a restaurant, people will know there are new students there and they say like, oh, are you a new student and things like that? You know, people are really friendly as soon as you get there. Yeah, yeah. Was, um, pointing fingers and, and uh, pointing at things and, you know, um, um, your kind of sign language kind of comes into play as well when you're trying to maybe get over that language barrier. And, and Kirsty, um, with, with Belgium, you know, when you um, got there, how did you get on? Yes, yeah, so I think when I first got there, it was a bit daunting just being in a new place. But um, I was quite lucky that my accommodation I was staying in was specifically for international students. So it meant we were all sort of in the same boat. Um, when we arrived and we could sort of help each other out with things um i think as well in belgium like in brussels the main language would be french whereas where i was in leuven the main language was dutch so um basically like when people realized your english they sort of all just spoke english so for me like the language like barrier wasn't too like difficult as well yeah um, and you, you, I suppose when you got there, the, the big, the big thing you're starting with is your accommodation. Um, and I suppose with with Erasmus, um, it's kind of like a very proactive thing that you have to look after your own, own accommodation and source it. Um, it's not something that we would do within the the global opportunities team. Um, how did you get on then? Um, you know, getting your accommodation and, and starting with your accommodation, and even starting with um, your first few classes in in university, uh, Kirsty. Yeah, so I would say um, for accommodation, I would like recommend to start looking for it quite early because some like halls of residence would have quite early deadlines to apply. So, for example, my accommodation actually had a deadline of a date in May. Um, so I actually applied for that and they had some rooms available, um, which was great. Um, I was really lucky with my accommodation, actually. Um, it was very central and also like right beside the train station as well so I could travel uh, quite easily away from there um, and in terms of my first classes I think the university was really good at catering for international students so they had like a sort of a welcome week where they had like tours of the arts faculty and the library 
and also some like social events in the evening as well so it was like a really nice way just to like get settled into like where I was going to be studying and I definitely felt that they like had international students like interests at heart definitely okay okay and and Suzanne same same sort of question to you how did you get on with the, the accommodation side of things and you know getting started with class uh, in terms of getting started with class, uh, we had a similar thing as well with um, we had two kind of like two welcome weeks. Um, so we had like a few tours around not only the university, but there was a little tour like around Lyon. Um, and we also had um, classes getting used to the methodology and how um, like you're expected to write your essays and things mm -hmm. as well as language classes. Uh, so just two weeks of quite intense language classes which was amazing um especially as i was going there not really knowing any french at all um and in terms of accommodation um yeah i was in like uh, accommodations specifically for students um it's quite widely across france it's called cruz um which was really good um it had like its own canteen and stuff with, where you could get like quite cheap food and stuff um yeah, it was, it was very nice. Um, it was kind of like Elms, I guess, mm -hmm. um, but in France. So it had yeah. its own reception and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and, and Rose, um, same, same question to yourself. Yeah, so in terms of the first classes, again, we had a sort of welcome lecture where they told us where everything was and when we need to be there. And we also got assigned like a tutor group of um, mm -hmm. a mixture of existing and new students. Um, so that was quite nice actually because you know it wasn't just all oh, the international students don't know where they're going and that's fine it was like we were put together in tutor groups of also with the Slovenian students so it's you know we were told where to go and so in terms of finding our way around the faculty and things that was really good um and in terms of accommodation I had quite a different experience to the other two girls so one thing to be really mindful of if you're going off on Erasmus is to make sure you know what kind of accommodation is available um, not all universities have halls so don't assume that you can go to halls because when I went um, there were some student buildings that were associated with the university but they were offering on a lot operating on like a lottery system which started in I think it was before May so you had to enter an application and then if you know you wouldn't get it because there were just hundreds and hundreds of people for each room um, so essentially it was private flat or nothing which is fine because obviously as you, if you start looking early enough you can get a private flat and um, like I said I shared with international students so it worked out really nicely um, but one thing that's really good advice for looking for that is um, go on Facebook groups go on Facebook groups for new students there will be one there'll be an ESN Erasmus network um, they will have set up a Facebook group go on there to look for accommodation and don't like pay anyone until you've um, you know until you've seen it because obviously it's not quite as trustworthy as halls but not everywhere has halls so i just say keep that in mind and if you know that you're someone who wants to live in halls or like group student accommodation then you know maybe even choose which university you want to go to based on that because not everywhere does it yeah no, that's you know what that, that's really good advice and um, from all three is because we always find that accommodation can be the big stress point um and to look at research that early <clears throat> go onto the university websites look at the, the, the Facebook forums and, and the ESM especially, but that, that, that's really good advice. Um, yeah, and then that'll alleviate some of the stress. Um, I see uh, just a question that came through the, the chat there 
um, is is making friends easy in a foreign country? As Eloise has um, just posed that question. So I suppose, um, Suzanne, I'll ask yourself, um, how did you, you know, make friends or integrate? Um, did you take up any, you know, um, sports or clubs or societies or anything like that? Um, well, it was very easy to make friends with the other international students who were there mm -hmm. the second semester, especially with just spending two weeks solid with them. It was really easy um, to make friends with them. My classes were in English, but you had a choice to do them in French as well, if you wished. Um, so in the French classes, you had the opportunity to also mix with um, obviously the French students. And later on in our, t in our time year, we got to know the first semester people more. And it's really easy. Everyone who goes there is really like open and friendly. Everyone is on the same boat on Erasmus. Um, so don't really worry about making friends, I'd say, because you you will, just as long as you like talk to people, just put yourself out there and try to be as confident as you can. Because um, everyone who, who I had the experience of meeting was really lovely. And I, even though I've been off Erasmus for quite a, like, Quite a few months now i still talk to quite a lot of the people who i met there and i'm quite good friends with them as well brilliant and i suppose kirsty and rose would you reiterate that or did you have any other way of maybe integrating yourself to make friends or make classmates yeah so um i also found it quite easy to make friends with international students i think that was because we're all sort of going through the same like new experience um and i found that just through classes and also just um, getting involved with the Erasmus Student Network as well, um, mm -hmm. because they organize lots of like social events during the year, like evening, like activities, like going bowling and like um, cinema trips and stuff like that. And also like they would organize weekend trips um, to different Belgian cities. And like, I'd say that was like a really good way to like meet other um, people who were on their Erasmus. Um, and yeah, it was like, I was like quite easy to um, make friends with them. So I wouldn't worry about um, not being able to make friends because like everyone's in the same situation. So um, yeah. Cool. Um, Rose, I'm just going to ask you, um, how did you find the, the level of study in comparison to Queen's? You know, the, was the, did you find a difference in the level? Yeah, I did find that um... I had quite a specific experience with the modules and things like that and I did find that the level was a lot higher academically than at Queen's as in like they expected you to be at a certain level um I would say that it is something you can find out before you go so if you are you know you can con you're in control like you choose where you go so if you want to do something have a year that's more chilled in terms of academic um sort of difficulty, then you, you, you can do the research of what modules you'll need to do. I was enrolled on, um, so I was enrolled on undergraduate and postgraduate courses at the same time. So just to say like the sort of level that they expected you to be at, which was kind of crazy looking back, but also, um, you know, it is quite nice to be pushed as well because I do feel like I've done a lot for my subject. So obviously not everyone has the same experience, but I did find that the level was quite, academically harder but again it would completely depend on where you're going what faculty you're in what subject you're doing um and even when you get there you can choose which courses you apply for so it's like completely under your control and do you think that would, um, would stand you in good stead you know now when you're back at queen's that you, you've kind of had that higher level you've been pushed a little bit do you think that's 
helped you a wee bit? Yeah, definitely. I did feel a bit more confident coming back to third year. I didn't feel that it was going to be a massive jump between second and third year sort of difficulty level. I don't think it would have been anyway, but I do feel that, um, yeah, I did I did feel a bit more prepared, like I'd done a bit more extra, you know, variety in the subject as well. Yeah. And I suppose for anybody um, who's thinking about undertaking an Erasmus study placement, um, you, do, you do complete a learning agreement before you go out and you choose the modules and you sit down with your Erasmus program director or potentially even your advisor to studies to kind of look at those modules. So it's kind of like an agreement before um, you actually you actually go out. Um, I suppose, um, Suzanne, um, in terms of the actual experience, um, you know, we, we work with a lot of employers in the, in the, in the careers employability and skills team and they're always looking for students to stand out by doing these sort of experiences. Is there any skills that you think um, that you've learned from your your time um, in France that will help you, you know, going forward? Um, well, obviously, uh, French language skills for yeah. particularly what I'm looking at, um, but also generally just the ability to like adapt to being in a new place where you don't really know, like exactly. Um, I guess how like the I guess what I say the culture is, but like um, just a whole new place, a new experience, and you're not really sure exactly what you're doing. Like obviously when you go on Erasmus, you have an idea, you know what your modules are and everything, but everything is brand new and you've got to figure out a new place, um, get to know a lot of new people. And it just kind of proves that you have quite a bit of flexibility, which I think is very important. Um, and yeah, just in general, because you're like quite outgoing and everything. Yeah, do you know what you mentioned that word flexibility? Um, that's I think that's really important that you know to to any employers or you know it looks great on your CV to show that you know you've you've done your time at Queens, but also you you decided to you know off your own bat to go to France or Slovenia or Belgium as well. Um, a lot of students kind of um tell you know kind of feedback to us that it's helped with their resilience um, and their confidence. Um, I suppose Rose, would you agree with that? Oh yeah, definitely. And also, especially this year, you know, we um, we've all had our time cut short or changed. But again, like you get on with it, and we do find that. Um, I, I personally think that yeah, having it all kind of changed up in the air, but then you still got something so good out of it. I do think that's definitely what resilience is all about. Mm -hmm. And just to say that you said about flexibility, I've already had interviews since I've been back in Belfast where employers have been asking me about. The first thing they ask me about when they look at my CV is study abroad, and I haven't even graduated yet. So that just goes to show, you know, that's you know they're really interested. Yeah, yeah, you know, I suppose that not just the cultural awareness and the language skills, but even the likes of communication. And um, when you're out there, you're, those are the skills employers are looking for, and you're honing those when you're out there. Um, and I suppose the same same question to yourself, Kirsty. You know, though that that resilience, that confidence, did you find your your that it's increased from being away? Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely find now um, I'm a lot more confident about just trying new opportunities. Um, like in the past, sometimes I'd be a bit hesitant to try new things if I hadn't had any experience of them before. But I think since taking that jump and doing Erasmus, I definitely like uh, find it a lot easier to just try new things, which I think is great. Um, and yeah, resilience as well. Um, I think when you're abroad, like things might not like always go to plan and there might be um, times when you have to like um, solve some 
um, problems or issues that you're having. Um, I think that really helps you and will definitely help you like further down the line um, when it comes to um, careers as well. Yeah, and, and you know what, um, Rose, you touched on it, and, and Kirsty, you've just touched on it now about um, how your plans can totally change. Um, and this year, for a lot of people, um, COVID has changed a lot of plans. Um, Kirsty, you, you or all you, the all three of you were out um, on your placement when kind of the, the kind of the lockdowns hit. Um, I suppose start with yourself, Kirsty. How how did it affect um, your study placement? Uh, yes, so I think it was middle of March um, when everything started to lock down. Um, I sort of had a few options of what of like how I could go forward. So I could either stay in Belgium and just continue with my course um, because my my exams were actually not until June. So I actually had like quite a good portion of the year left. Um, mm -hmm. So I could either stay in Belgium or uh, return home and just continue the course remotely. Um, so I decided to go with the latter just because of um, like travel restrictions were beginning to increase a lot. So I just thought um, it would probably be safer to return. Um, and I think the university did um, a pretty good job of um, like continuing that course um, online. There was lots of like interactive um, like discussion forums and like interactive lectures and things. So I did feel like I was still like a part of the course as well um, and they did provide a lot of advice when it came to exams and things um, so yeah I did my exams um, remotely as well in June um, and it was all fine yeah yeah and what about yourself Suzanne and, and Rose um, did, were you, did you have a similar experience yeah um, I did um, in France they closed the universities around mid-March as well and I did have the choice of staying in my accommodation in France or coming back to Northern Ireland. Um, mm -hmm. I chose to come back to Northern Ireland because um, well, everything was online and everyone was actually leaving because the borders were closing. Like I saw a lot of people in the group chats had plans to stay, but as soon as they heard their borders were closing, they started leaving themselves. So um, there wasn't really much else to do apart from study. So for that reason, I came back. Um, and I just did all my coursework online. It was meant to be exams, but they transferred it all into coursework. So like essays that were like three, 4,000 words, mm -hmm. things like that instead, which I think was actually personally for me was better. I do better on coursework. So I was, was silver lining. I was mm -hmm. quite happy with that. And what about yourself, Rose? Yeah. Um... I the university was actually closed in early March like really early March because Slovenia was really proactive about getting restrictions in getting the lockdown on mm -hmm. um, so I was actually you know the thing is we were offered so many options by so I was offered four or five different options from my host university and then mm -hmm. the Go Global team got in contact with me saying you can go home and stuff like that you know it's okay um, which was really really helpful and you know, there was no pressure to like stay there and stay locked down in the flat and things like that. So I actually, I couldn't go home because Italy was like completely locked down. So I was like a bit stuck in between places. Um, but I did find that the university was really good with like their online teaching. Again, everything was completely like, you know, at the same time, full lectures over Zoom and things like that. Um, and then 
Slovenia did really well with cases that the cases went down really quickly and I managed to go back for my in-person exams in June and July which was kind of crazy situation you know you, the UK was in full lockdown and I was kind of there sitting exams in this big room of people it was quite surreal um but yeah it just goes to show that obviously like it, you have such a different experience in all different countries but um yeah I would say they handled it really well there was no pressure on us to stay there or or to go home either way so it was good yeah and, and just go back to the skills you know, that, that that shows such adaptability such flexibility to you know get your mindset into having to change how you're going to study and and you know at the last minute having to potentially come home um i'm going to i'm going to start wrapping up now um folks but i suppose i just want to ask you um maybe what your what your best bit was something that stands out something that made you kind of stop and kind of go oh actually you know what I'm actually here in France or Slovenia or Belgium. So, Susanna, just start with yourself. Was there one moment where you kind of went, you didn't freak out, but you just kind of went, I'm actually here? It was probably like, um, I was out with like a meal with like a really big group of people. Um, <coughs> and we were having like French cheese and wine, which was really, it was really, sounds really fancy, but it wasn't. Uh, it was so nice. And I was like, wow, this is like so cool. And it was really nice just chatting with so many people from all over. Yeah, and Rose, what about yourself? Um, probably getting to go on a couple of trips to Lake Blair. And one time I went canoeing and it on on the lake, and it was like really autumn, like autumnal and stuff. And that was just really beautiful. And I just thought, like, this is one of the kind of landmarks of Europe, and I just live here. It was really weird. It was nice. Yeah. And uh, finally, Kirsty. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I think for me as well. Um, it was a trip um i made a really good friend from japan and we would often go on little like weekend um day trips and things um and one time we went to ghent which is a really like lovely um city in belgium um and it was just a really nice day um and it was just lovely scenery as well so i really enjoyed that okay um, last question folks um would you encourage students to think about undertaking an Erasmus study placement um, or study placement um, in general? Um, and Kirsty, I'll just start with yourself. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, you gain so many new skills. And I think for me um, personally, I'm like a lot more confident now than I was this time last year. Um, a lot, I find it a lot easier to adapt to new situations. So yeah, definitely I would recommend um, taking part. Brilliant. Um, and Rose? Yeah, definitely. I think it really changes you for the better. And it's just something that you'll never you'll never forget. It, you know, it sounds like all the cliches are true, basically. So, yeah, definitely. I'll convince people to go. Yeah. And finally, Suzanne? Yeah, I, I definitely would say it's a really great opportunity. Um, just like meeting so many new people and hearing um, kind of their like point of view and like how their life is somewhere else like i met people who've been like from brazil and japan and stuff it's like all over like places that you wouldn't necessarily go yeah. so yeah it's really lovely yeah and i suppose it is that you know you're learning the cultural awareness and the language skills of your of your host country but then you're sharing a classroom with you know hundreds of other students from all around the world and you get to share their culture as well um, look, um, Suzanne, Rose and Kirsty, thanks so much for coming along to share your experience. That was brilliant. It was brilliant um, for the students to hear how you, know, how you got on on your, on your placement and, and real life experiences. So what I'll do now, we're going to continue on with the presentation. I'll just ask you to 
turn off your mic. And sorry, Sorry, Rory. Go we, ahead, we received a question from Andrew, a very good question, and it was in relation to for the students. And the yeah. question was, did you find your grades were effective, affected either positively or negatively by doing the Erasmus program? Yeah, so I suppose, sorry, um, Suzanne, Rose and Kirsty, if you wouldn't mind putting back on your camera and your mic, you just didn't get away too quickly. Um, so <laughs> sorry, just mention that question again, Rory. So the question was from Andrew, and he had asked, did you find that your grades were affected either positively or negatively by doing the Erasmus programme? So it's a very good question. Yeah, and I suppose, if, Suzanne, if, if you um, can start on that one, Rory. Yeah, um, I would say actually positively. I actually managed to do better than what I did in first semester of second year. Um, I, am I, I don't have a particular reason why I did better, but um, I just did. I found it very, very enjoyable. Um, and I think it's maybe doing a lot of different things, like it engages you quite a lot. Okay, and uh, Rose? Um, yeah, I also found that I did a bit better than in first year. Um, I think, yeah, maybe it is the variety, I'm not sure, but I, yeah, it completely depends on where you go and how hard you work, that's all I could really say to you. And finally, Kirsty? Yeah, I would say I would have got roughly the same as what I would have got at Queen's. Um, one thing to bear in mind is that each university has a different sort of marking system, so maybe if you get like a certain grade that might be like a, a two one in like one country it might be like a different grade in another country so i would bear that in mind as well yeah and how it kind of works is that you know, your your grades are um sent back or your transcript is sent back and um then your grades are converted and then one thing we were talking about which we didn't mention um just before this session was that you know although you're benefiting from the cultural side of things and the language side of things but to go to a new university, your your options of modules are obviously opened up as well. So you potentially can study modules, um, you know, that you wouldn't be able to study at Queen's. So there's there's that benefit as well. Obviously, those modules you would have to agree with your your school that you're allowed to study. But you know, it gives you that freedom to maybe choose some things that um you didn't you wouldn't have got to uh, the study at Queen's. Um, was there any more questions there, Rory, before we let the students go? No, no, that's everything. I'll just, I'll just reiterate. Thanks very much, guys. I find that really, really interesting. And good to hear that you've had fantastic experiences. Yeah. Um, so you can turn off your mics now, folks, and your, and your cameras. And uh, uh, Rory, I'll hand over to you to continue on. Okay. Hi, guys. So as Conlon mentioned at the very beginning, my name is Rory McGrillan. I'm a development officer within the Global Opportunities Team. And my role is very much to look at new international programs and opportunities. Previous to this role, I worked as a placement coordinator and have a lot of experience of working with students who had worked in countries such as France, Spain, Switzerland, Belgium. So I have a very good insight into I suppose, the highlights and, and some of the challenges that, that students have in terms of sort of making the, the move abroad to either live, study and work. Uh, the next sort of opportunity and organisation I'd like to introduce you to is the European Movement Ireland. This is an independent non-for-profit organisation and I suppose it's, its main aim is to build collaboration from Ireland with the rest of Europe, uh, also to build collaboration and connections with the EU. And it encourages as many people across the island to get involved in the organisation to basically shape Europe as much as possible. Interesting enough, it's actually the oldest Irish organisation that's dealing with the EU and Europe. And um, it was set up in 1954, which was actually nearly 20 years before Ireland joined the European Economic Community. So it's a long-standing history and proven track record of sort of dealing with 
the EU and European institutions. For yourselves as students, uh, the European Ireland, European Movement Ireland actually provides an excellent resource. It's called the, the Green Book. And what it is, is not, it's a resource that allows you to sort of gain awareness of career opportunities, whether that's, for example, a traineeship or even a graduate role in the future. Uh, the resource can be found by basically going onto their website and looking within the resources section and you'll be able to download your annual copy. And essentially, again, what this is, it's, it's a guide to living and working in Brussels, Strasbourg and other EU cities. Uh, basically what they re would refer to as the EU bubble. It gives you insights into, as I said, not only getting a traineeship and how to move that into ultimately a graduate job, but also sort of living and social sort of information activities that you'll need to be aware of if you're sort of considering making that move over to living and working in Europe. Also, interestingly, if you register on their website, you'll receive a weekly update, and in the update, it'll provide information on developments in relation to Brexit, sort of positions and events that are happening in relation to the EU and Europe, but also just keeps you up to date with job offers and traineeships. So I'd encourage uh, all students, whether you're undergraduate, postgraduate, or even recent graduates, to sign up that there and have a review of, of the Green Book on the website. So the next organisation I'd like to introduce you to is called the Student Language Bureau. The Student Language Bureau is essentially a job platform, but it's different from your traditional job plat platform because it's, it's relatively new and it's been set up by two individuals called Jennifer and Cameron. And their aim and sort of reason for setting this up was they had first-hand experiences of the challenges of, of securing an internship in Europe and also sort of making a transition to living and working abroad. So they set it up with the mindset of we would not only like to provide opportunities for students to work abroad, but also give them a full support system. So the support system would include sort of advice and recommendations in terms of sort of jobs, CVs, interviews, and all other sort of recruitment selection advice. But uh, go back to what Suzanne and Rose and Kirsty mentioned, you know, the, the challenges or sort of the difficulties of sort of securing accommodation or that sort of anxiety around that. They will also provide information advice on sort of accommodation and sort of making a move to a European um, city. They look at it, they offer a whole range of different opportunities throughout Europe and they also offer opportunities in the UK and some even further field. So when I was on the website this morning just having a, a browse of the positions that they're advertising, they have opportunities in cities such as Barcelona, Paris, Switzerland, Tokyo, and also evenings as far as Shanghai. So it's definitely worth registering for this website, um, having a review and uh, connecting with um, with Jennifer and Cameron, who will be able to sort of take you provide that first-hand information and advice. And the service is also free, so there's no hidden costs or nothing out there to be to be worried of. In terms of uh, our upcoming events, well, we will have uh, events running out to the rest of semester one and two, but the final one that we have as part of Go Global Week is our annual alumni networking evening. Traditionally, we would have this in the Student Guidance Centre and we would offer students pizza and soft drinks and beer. And it'll be a very sort of relaxed evening. Obviously, with everything going on, we've moved this to the virtual environment, but we have a fantastic opportunity for you to speak and ask questions of three uh, Queen's alumni. Two are very recent, so Lisa has graduated a few years, Neil has graduated within the last four years, and then we have Richard, who graduated, he's the same age as himself, so let's just say he's slightly older. 
Um, between them, they worked in cities such as New York. They have worked and studied in Washington, D.C., Madrid, Guangzhou, and China, uh, Copenhagen, and even Richard, he worked in Kazakhstan. So between them, they can talk about a wide range of work and study opportunities, but they also can talk about the cultural differences and share some cultural insights. Um, between them, the guys uh, have, well, Richard owns his own business, so he's an entrepreneur, and Neil works within the sort of drinks and hospitality industry. And Lisa has started a, a consultancy job with uh, EY in the last two years. So I'd say it'll be a very relaxed, uh, informal evening. We'll be asking the guys some questions, but we'll also leave it open to you to come along and post some questions and basically shape how the evening progresses. So to basically reference back to what Conlon mentioned at the very start, we see this information session as very much a starting point for your research and the insights into these opportunities. We'd encourage you to uh, have a review of our websites and you'll find information on each of the opportunities we mentioned today. Uh, you can also drop us an email at goglobal.qb.ac.uk. Uh, it was also mentioned through my future you can book a 15-minute virtual drop-in session. And what we can do there is have a video call and just basically talk about one specific opportunity in detail or give you a summary of all the opportunities that we uh, promote and support. That was, uh, that was great. Um, so um, just in terms of questions coming through, I see Mark has put up a question there. If you're looking for a work placement, can you apply for Erasmus? And he asked you to maximise your chances of getting placement abroad. Um, I suppose, Mark, um, it'll depend on the course that you're on. We would we would always suggest having a chat with your um, your placement office in your school um, as one of your first points of contact. We would also suggest um, coming along to that information session for IASTE on the 27th of the um, of October and um, from 12 to 1 and you can sign up for that um, with your with your work placement once it's organized then you would um, then you would through your placement office you would apply for Erasmus funding so we would be kind of in, working with your placement office and the IASTE team in the first instance um, to to sort or to set up your placement I just add to that point that Conneth made, and it applies to suppose, all jobs. If you're applying for multiple positions or jobs or opportunities, uh, as long as you keep the communication with everyone clear and concise and also in a professional manner, then it doesn't sort of upset any um, employers and it allows you to sort of express interest in applying for multiple positions. So, just to, I suppose, add um, if you do have sort of questions that may be a bit more confidential, uh, send them through to ourselves at Global Opportunities Team and we'll be able to, let's say, reply to you or else arrange a sort of video call or phone call just to speak, speak with you in more in, in confidence and in more detail. Yeah, and it doesn't look like there's any more questions coming through there. So, we'll just sign off. But just before we do, can we just say thanks? Um, to Kirsty, Suzanne, and Rose, um, just for for sharing their experience and coming along, it was it was brilliant to hear from them. You have been listening to Find Your Future, a podcast from careers, employability, and skills at Queen's University Belfast. For more career helps and advice visit go.qb.ac.uk slash careers.